0: coming up next
1: yeah i'm i'm sorry that your wife and your family went went through all of that and it's nice to hear that atco is a a supportive company that would get you through that that tough time
0: yeah no it was yeah all i felt was support and and then they allowed me to take some time off when she had her surgeries and kind of ease back into work and just always asking about how she was doing and it makes you appreciate where you're working even more. And you kind of have, I feel like I maybe have a different loyalty than maybe some people would have.
1: Welcome to the Job Talk Podcast, where we talk with people who love their jobs. Our guests open up about their challenges, surprises, and secrets to success in their industries. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. Today's guest is Joel Ratchin. Here's our job talk with a senior gas control operator. You have made a few career pivots in your life, and I, I want to get into that, but you have eventually landed in a position as a senior gas control operator with ATCO, so we're going to make our way to that, but Joel, can you share with our listeners what your first uh, career path was?
0: First career path. Oh, well, out of high school, I built houses for a couple of years.
1: Okay. You got into construction.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was all right, but it it drove me to want to further my education. Yeah. I wasn't the greatest carpenter, we'll say.
1: And what did you choose leaving carpentry?
0: I went to, uh, Grant McEwen. It's called McEwen University now. And took audio-visual communications.
1: What do you think drew you to multimedia? What were you wanting to get into after taking a communications diploma from McEwen?
0: Well, I actually applied for guitar at McEwen as well at the same time, and both programs interested me, but uh, audiovisual responded first. <laughs> but I, I, I was into design. Uh, the photography side interested me um and we did some video production all old school now everything is on computers but we were using AB roll tapes and uh developing film ourselves so it was a it was a great program two years of of kind of getting to dabble in i don't know five or six different mediums and kind of went more to the design side uh just like uh, interface design and uh, graphic design,
1: and how many years did you did you give yourself to try to make a career in multimedia?
0: We graduated in ninety eight, and I I pretty much gave it a go until two thousand six, with a two year stint in Vancouver. Um, in interwoven to that, I was in a rock band for a few years and toured too. So I kind of did the freelance thing so I could do it when I'd be home from touring and uh, got into a little bit of programming at the one company that I worked with. Ended up kind of thrown into programming uh, a shell for the, uh, the NFTC. So it was the National Flight Training Center which was in moose jaw and they had one in cold lake so but yeah i realized programming wasn't really for me but i, I managed fumble my way hopefully no one ever looks at my code it's probably not probably would make no sense but it worked so
1: so w- did something happen in your life that made you want to transition out of multimedia? Was there a certain writing on the wall maybe that you weren't seeing opportunity with, with that chosen career field?
0: We moved to Vancouver for a couple of years and I actually ended up sharing office space with an uh, a grad friend of ours. And it was just, uh, it was pretty competitive out there for design and, and, and multimedia, getting into more of the web apps. We moved back to Alberta to Sylvan Lake and uh, I ended up working for a company called Abacus. And we, I ended up doing line locating and learning how to survey. Took some courses in surveying and uh, did that for a couple of years. And that, that was uh, pretty intense. Gone all the time and home for a day and then gone for another three weeks and you never knew where you were gonna be show up on monday and you we'd all have these jobs lined up on the desk and it'd be like oh i'm going to medicine half for a week or i'm going to peace river for a week and then you'd be up there and i'm like oh we got more jobs up here so so you always had to have a bag pack for a week or two there's i it was it was it was all right though i, I enjoyed the traveling around i just, just wasn't home very much so
1: Yeah, not great for your family life, I'm guessing.
0: Uh, yeah, not for what we wanted, I guess. And then my daughter was born and I, I started looking for other options after she was about six months old, I kind of thought maybe do something for
1: that's more close to home. Okay. Let's talk about your experience in the music industry. And I can't think of a harder industry to make it in than, than the music industry. So can you talk about your, your experience with that? Were, were you touring with a group? Were you a solo artist? What was your, your career with being a musician?
0: So yeah, so after we got out of school in, in 98, I was trying to freelance design. And I got to know um, some fellows from a band called Welcome and actually I was just a big fan of their music and their guitar player uh left and I was asked to join so I kind of jumped into the music thing like I'd been playing music my whole life but jumped into the touring music thing shortly after school and didn't really pursue my uh career <laughs> in audiovisual cuz we were within a month we were traveling the country opening for bands like The Headstones, If Naked, Big Sugar, um, and doing showcases, and we had a publisher involved. So, yeah, that was a pretty intense couple of years, and it was a lot of fun. I was in my early twenties, so it's kind of the time to try it out. <laughs> and I'm still friends with those people, and and the community here in Edmonton in the late late nineties was pretty close. Yeah, now now a lot of the people have studios or, or managing groups or, you know, in the music business or not in the music business, but they still play around here and there. And
1: You were opening for some pretty big names. When you look back at your, your time in music, and I don't know if you're still pursuing it, but do you have any experiences or stories that really stand out from your time as a musician?
0: Yeah, there's there's some great great touring stories Uh, we when I was in Welcome we were driving back we did a two-day drive back from Toronto after doing a showcase to get back to Edmonton so it was probably December and we're driving through Northern Ontario with a van and a trailer and our bass player was was on the driving shift and he may have been a little bit tired or on something else I'm not sure but uh, we ran out of gas in Marathon, Ontario, and it's this town in the middle of nowhere, and the gas station wasn't open for another three hours. So we had enough gas to like keep the heater on and stuff. So I'm I'm sleeping in the first bench, and the bass player's sleeping there with his head on the head on the steering wheel, and all of a sudden I hear this sound. I'm just like what the
1: frick what is that
0: and I look in the passenger seat and there's this stowaway just got into our van <laughs> and I could he smelled like kind of like garlic and bo and uh I'm like who are you he's like oh I'm uh Barry Sanders author of the sands of time poetry book <laughs> and I'm like what is going on like I, I I was too tired to even think that I was in some sense of danger and the bass player still likes has head on the steering wheel sleeping and he starts to tell me all these stories of, of how he uh, authored this poetry book the sands of time and he pulls it out and it's on like what your grade one uh child would have like learning how to write you know cursive anyways he shows it to me i'm like oh great uh what, why are you here <laughs> And he he's like, oh, I'm trying to get to uh, trying to get to Vancouver. I have a I have a, a Trans Am waiting for me there that I have to pick up. And and then he started telling all these stories how he's in jail with Mick Jagger. It was it was pretty interesting. So of course, when the gas station opened up, we uh, went in and and uh, called the cops. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on, but this guy needs some help. Or he's you know. So they said they gave him a bus ticket to get to uh vancouver i guess and i guess he'd been around town for a few days chatting people up and we left the one guy though up in the bunk we built a bunk in the back and he was sleeping in there we all left and he woke up and he's in there in the van with this guy and he didn't know what was going on <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice yeah. bandmates yeah. um i i i'm gonna venture a guess that. Most of the traction that you were experiencing was when you were in a band called the Boom Chuka Boys.
0: Yeah, that was later on um, in, into my ATCO career. Um, I met a guy at work at Red Deer and we got out that we were both musicians. So someone was like matchmaking us at work. It's like, hey, you're a musician and you're a musician. You guys should meet. Yeah. And then uh, so that was the singer, Ryan Langwa, who still works at ATCO as well. And he uh, said to me, uh, when we got together the first time, he's like, show me some of his songs. And I showed him some stuff that I'd done in the past. And he said, I'm going to make it. (laughs) And I was like, "Okay," (laughs) But yeah, we ended up doing some stuff together. And then next thing you know, we were down in Nashville and recording and writing with writers down there and then touring. And. It kind of all happened pretty, pretty well, not fast over a few years, but we had some mediocre, like mid level success. I guess a couple of top 40 songs on country radio, some awards, some nominations. Got to tour the country and play big festivals. and
1: Yeah. What do you think the biggest crowd was that you performed to? probably
0: the merit festival we opened for big and rich and that was toward the end of our time together i think there was like 15 thousand people, 'cause people because we were right before they went on yeah it's kind of weird though uh that many people you only really noticed the first 20 rows for me at least i don't know i it's, it's weird i should have been more nervous I, I never really got super nervous playing if i was probably the lead singer i would have been but <laughs> I just enjoyed it while it lasted kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And that just goes to show you, you were experiencing traction. That is a very hard industry to, to find success in.
0: Yeah. I, I think because we had, uh, we had a, uh, artist that was managing us, Gord Bamford, um, and he opened a lot of doors for us, but a lot of it throughout the career we built our reputation on just playing lot good live shows where we entertain people, and just had a lot of fun, and and then we get us back, and then so you get us back the one place, and then go to another place and you get us back there, and then you start getting really busy, and you start building a name for yourself. So not the typical way, I guess the in the country scene, it seems like you got to get on radio, and then that gets promoted, and then you play some festivals, but we were kind of doing more more of the core blend, I guess, grassroots, just playing small towns and us for all being from small towns, it was very comfortable for us. And like, I grew up in a town of 900 people, so <laughs> I felt very relatable. like I could relate to the people I was playing for. And I don't know, I liked, I liked meeting new people and that was part of the job I really liked.
1: Okay. We'll have you on again, where we just focus on your music career oh. because I, I do want is- I just, I just explained it all. It's nothing <laughs> else. No, we'll do it again. We'll do an anniversary special with you. Oh, very well. Yeah. But I, I do want to get to your position as a senior gas control operator with ATCO. Before we get into that, why, why did the Boom Chuka boys, why did that come to an end?
0: Oh man, that could be its own episode, but. <laughs> ah, it's complicated. Uh there was just business stuff, personality stuff, kind of just, it was kind of fading and people wanted to go in different directions. And yeah, that's all, I'll probably leave it at that. <laughs> it was disappointing. We, we'd all invested a lot in and the, our agency had that we were with and management and we all put a lot into it. But um, yeah, it just was, it kind of, hit its shelf life at, at the height of our success. <laughs> I guess what, what do they say? Go, go out with a bang. I guess. I don't know. It seemed like we were, we were definitely making the most money we'd ever made. And we were kind of hitting the big festivals, but just uh, sometimes it's hard. It's like being married to five people. And sometimes that it's not always the easiest thing in the world with personalities. That's why a lot of, a lot of bands are sometimes just solo artists with hired people, you know. In that industry, um, my background it was never country, anyways. But I did embrace it and write write for it and stuff. But I was more of a rock pop singer songwriter type music, Beatles, Beatles, and um, so yeah. It's a different it's a different uh, structure for sure. But yeah, as far as why the band broke up. Yeah, that could that could be a long story, and uh, I think I'll just leave leave it to leave it to people's mystery.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Senior gas control operator with Atco. Can you explain to our listeners what that job is all about?
0: Well, basically, uh, we run the gas system for Alberta on the computer. Um, We work with the field operators. And we also work with TransCanada Pipelines or TransCan Energy exclusively. Um, and we manage the gas system. Um, we basically bring gas into our ecosystem and we distribute it and it eventually gets to the communities through regulating stations. And uh, we also supply gas to a lot of the plants and uh, industrial customers. So it's uh, it's kind of a mix of what I was doing before because in Red Deer, when I worked for Acco, I was working with uh, pressure control. So I was working in the regulating stations where we take high pressure gas, regulate it down to the different communities, and then it gets delivered to your house at a super low pressure it's kind of a, a quick explanation of how it works, but as far as the gas control operator, we um, <clears throat> we basically have a computer system called SCADA that it's uh, kind of like an AutoCAD look to it. And uh, we are able to run compression, uh, use remote control valves, monitor pressures, temperatures, um, and then, and what's going on in different plants. Um, also we work with the power plants that we supply gas to. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain it in a quick nutshell, but I, I, I tell people I'm just like the Homer, I'm like Homer Simpson. I'm sitting at the desk with a bunch of, uh, computers and I'm pushing buttons, Yeah, you know, eating donuts i no, just kidding.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about your your typical day. What's your day to day like when you when you leave the house and go to your shift?
0: Well, we do twelve hour shifts. They're six to six or six to six. So a set would consist of two or three days on and two or three nights. Um, so you have a day between a tw- uh, we call it two four. <laughs> but it's a 24 hour break between, so you can transition to nights. Um, but yeah, 12 hour day shift, I would uh, get there about quarter to six. We hand off from the night the night people, like the night uh, operators. And then, um, yeah, you're just uh, kind of getting up to speed on jobs that are happening that day, uh, system demands, um, we have different times of the day where the gas load is higher. So we call morning load. So and definitely in the winter time, like when everyone's waking up and getting ready for work, and their furnaces are kicking in hotter. Like we're trying to compensate for that with the system, and the night person before you is usually bringing extra gas on so that everybody is supplied properly for the demand. It's a lot of it's, it's a lot of forecasting too. You're looking at weather trends you're looking at past years where similar weather slash situations were were involved where you can learn from those and then apply to that day so you don't get caught with your pants down i guess would be like this to say
1: (laughs) what kind of education did you take to to get this position and do you remember your job interview to get into atco
0: yeah, so education-wise, there are people that have taken the gas control tech course and Nate. Um uh, some people have power engineering degrees to get into this. Um, I did have to have a diploma or a degree of some kind, so my audiovisual at least got me in the door. But my eight and a half years experience on the gas side and like the distribution side which is uh customer gas side, um, helped me get into, and I was already in the company, but helped me get an interview. And I, so I had a good understanding of that side of things dealing with the field operations. And then I had to learn the other, the other, the technical side of it, but it was three years of training. I don't know how many exams I did. We do back in the day when I was training, we had to, memorize the pipeline systems, and be able to draw them out on a board and explain how the different segments, we call them transmissions, so we they're segmented into different areas. And we had to explain how they worked and where the gas came from, how we can deliver it here, can we increase gas pressure through compression, excuse me. So it was three years of training for that. And then to become a senior is another two to three years of showing that you've taken on additional roles you've trained other people um, you've responded in emergencies and been able to uh, come out <laughs> adequately where you you control the situation um maybe you've brought in some innovations and uh into the into the team too where things could be done differently, more efficiently. It all gets kind of tabulated and then, um, yeah. And then when you're ready the you get the step up to senior with, with it comes more responsibilities and more, more roles of being looked to.
1: So, and could we talk about some of the challenges you experience in, in your job? And do you think your career as a musician playing in front of 20,000 fans helps you <laughs> handle stress?
0: Well, I don't know if they're my fans. They're somebody's fans. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, this job is it's kind of like an air traffic controller. You know, 80% of the time, 85% of the time, everything's smooth sailing. But when crap hits the fan it's it can be pretty stressful and you just have to trust that you've learned through your we call it windshield time the amount of time you spend running the system and and just seeing different scenarios i I feel like every year i go through more odd uh scenarios that i can i can pull those out when different things happen and i've learned from them and you just get a little bit more um, confident every year with what you've been through. Um, sorry, what was the question?
1: <laughs> just some of your challenges. Cause I'm trying to wrap my mind around you're, you're dealing with pressurized gas. That sounds stressful.
0: Yeah. And, and, and we also have, you know, some, some, some of our receipt plants have the opportunity to have H2S as well. So, there's that safety concern with our field staff going there. If Say if, if there's a slug of gas that went through and it closes a plant, then you they have to go and respond to that. Um, the big thing is gas supply. Like you just don't want to ever lose a town or have some, our equipment breaks down in the cold. Like when it gets minus 30, those, the compressors that we use, like it it's hard on them and you want to hopefully keep those on and keep the gas flowing. You don't want to have to, Have to try and start those in the super cold temperatures. Yeah, yeah, there's just, there's, there's, that's a challenge. The other challenge is shift work. Not everyone, not everyone can do shift work and night shifts and switching from days to nights. Some people do shift work and it's just straight days or straight nights for a month. Um, The reason our system works for most people is because you don't ever get stuck on just days or nights. So you don't get stuck in that routine of totally flipping your schedule. You only have like two days and then if you can flip back, but some people that challenge, like eventually they have to get out of it cause it's, it's just too hard on their system or their body. I guess from, from being a musician, I was used to staying up pretty late. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And I like how you, you tie some experiences from your, your past life into the role that you're in now does atco is it a company that promotes growth in in your career and advancement
0: yeah i think i think like there's there's certain positions where i think you have to have a certain education like possibly an engineering degree to get into a certain position but yeah i have like well prime example uh the fellow that i worked with in the field in red deer left red deer to be a supervisor in peace river then came back to edmonton now he's my boss <laughs> and we used to work in a truck together so yeah i think there's opportunities for for growth and movement and i had opportunities down Red Dir to fill in for a form and position and and stuff like that um i just really like this job because it combined some of my computer experience with with um my field experience and then I can kind of put it together and, and then I, I enjoy talking to the, the, the people out in the fields cause I, I bring back all my old stories that they don't want to hear and stuff like that. <laughs> but at least I, I know what it feels like to be out in minus 40, trying to chase a gas leak or opening up a hole or, you know, just repairing something. A line here goes down and, I've, I've been through that in the field side where it's, it's really crappy at the time, but then you have a good story to tell after. So
1: what do you love about working at ACCO?
0: I hit my 15 year mark, so I must not hate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, they've been really, it's been a positive experience for me. Um, Between just the opportunities I've been given, not given. I had to earn them, obviously, but had opportunities to kind of develop into the role I'm in now. But as well, when we had the Boom Chaka Boys, the singer and I both worked in Red Deer, and they were really good about us banking our time, taking time off to go kind of pursue our dream. They saw that was something that those kind of opportunities don't come along very often, and they were very supportive and and, and made it possible for us to... To maneuver our schedules around, I wouldn't have been able to do that in the position I am now because we we have crews and it's shift work, but at the time it was we were able to do that and yeah I'll always appreciate that with uh, how they treated us and 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 allowed us to kind of pursue something that you never know if you'd have another opportunity like that as well my wife um, in the I remember what year it was, was 2010, 2011, but she ended up getting breast cancer. And um, yeah, the company was great with helping me because I had two little kids. Plus I had that band happening at the same time and almost lost my mind a little bit, but they were great. Like the first people on my doorstep were like my supervisor and my coworker, you know, bring food or flowers or, and uh, yeah, it was, I, I'm very thankful that I worked where I did in Red Deer when that happened because it was uh, not the easiest
1: time. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry that your wife and your family went went through all of that. And mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that ATCO is a, a supportive comp- company that would get you through that, that tough time.
0: Yeah, no, it was, yeah, all I felt was support and, and then the and take some time off when she had her surgeries and, um, and kind of ease back into work and just always asking about how she was doing. And yeah, it was, it, uh, it makes you appreciate where you're working even more and you kind of have, I feel like I maybe have a different loyalty than maybe some people would have, but you know, nothing's no job is all roses right but uh when the pros way outweigh the cons you're you're thankful and yeah i i'm 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 happy where i am and I, i like the people i work with and i've had a really good experience with pretty much everybody i've worked with in the different fields and I still keep in touch with a bunch of them and Some of them have been recruited into where I work now.
1: (laughs) How is your wife doing now? Uh, she's been cancer free seven years. So
0: she's doing well. Good. Um, yeah, now she's doing well. And, uh, it's moved on from that and no signs of it coming back. So,
1: yeah. First of all, actually, I want to say I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful to hear that she's doing well. Um, So that's good. But if you were to speak to somebody that is interested in applying and becoming a employee with ATCO, what what would you say to them? What puts them in the best light to sell themselves as a good worker for ATCO?
0: Yeah, I think one of the best things you could do would be to investigate all the facets of what ATCO does and try and apply into places that fit your mindset and work set, I guess. Um, and then you have to kind of wait for opportunities that are open to the public, um, because with ACO we do promote from within. So once you're in the company, that the people that work within the company have opportunities to change jobs or move up within the company, so... Um, I, I would say educate yourself on on what aco does and what the different divisions of aco do and maybe find find the place that suits you best and then then pursue that um and if there's opportunities we have a great website where all the the jobs are posted aco is is, is varied like we have aco electric we have Um, ACO structures. Um, We also have um, ACO pipelines in Australia. Like it's a huge company. We have I want to say like under 6,000 employees. So for me, I, I, I was in central Alberta and they were looking for term workers and I got on, on like a short-term contract basis and I I pushed that into applying for whatever next job came up in the Red Deer center. So it worked out for me. Um, but yeah, they, they are hiring. Um, there are postings and, uh, it's a great company to work for. If you're starting a family or have a family, um, great benefits. They'll take care of you. Just have to, uh, hold your end of the bargain
1: and be a good worker. I yeah. was going to ask, that's actually a perfect segue into how do you find the work-life balance with your career? Well, for my job,
0: it's a little weird because <laughs> we're the only people with other than dispatch, I guess, that have this kind of night schedule. Uh, I like it for myself because in between I have four or five days off after a four or five day set. But, uh, I miss a lot of weekends, <laughs> at least two weekends a month, the way the schedule works out. But then also I get, you know, two weeks off here and there if I take the set off. So um, it works for me and my family. But my family has to be understanding too for when I'm sleeping in the daytime. And now that the kids are older; it's a lot easier. When they're teenagers; they end up sleeping in anyways. But when they're when I first started this job in, uh, was it 2016? They were still pretty young. (laughs) Yeah. Thunk thunk thunk. And then two big dogs, but the dogs actually just sleep in the room with me even in the daytime. So, yeah. Never understood that. So, um, yeah. Has its challenges. I think I'm
1: rambling, though. No. (laughs) Um, looking back over your life, would you have done anything differently with with the careers that you chose to pursue? Whoo.
0: I, I think I did the, I chose the careers and chose the avenues I was supposed to. And it, it did open some doors with my art too. Like I, I could have, I guess, taken guitar and Q and, and become a music teacher, but I'm I'm not a very good music teacher. I've tried to do it before and it's not really my passion. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's so many avenues you could pursue in your life and feel like I, I took the chances on the ones that I was supposed to, and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. I didn't win the lottery, so that would have changed things probably.
1: But. <laughs> what's what's next for you, do you think? Continue to pursue your career with Echo?
0: Yeah, I I think uh, the position I'm in now will be in for a while, and I'm getting close to that half century mark so who knows midlife crisis probably coming i'll probably have to fix up an old sports car or something i don't know um and music i'm still playing here and there with some some folks mostly just with friends of mine now that i've had way back in the day you know like when we went to college together and those are the guys that that i've kind of reconnected with started playing with again and I'm gonna, I am working on some music of my own. Um, it won't be country, but <laughs> just uh, yeah, trying to learn how to use some of the new technology and maybe record some of my ideas down, but uh, I've yeah. got a daughter that's in a band now, who's 16 and she's got the music bug like I used to have. And so helping her out a little bit, she's all excited. So I don't know, just, uh, just trying to enjoy, trying to get out and travel a bit more. We we're hoping to go to Europe next year and see a bit of the world. So nice. look up where the Bricks family originated
1: <laughs> Denmark head and up to, head up to Denmark. Actually we, are, then,
0: actually we are, we are going to. Are Denmark. you?
1: Oh, good. Uh, I'll talk to you about that after. Yes, yeah. On traveling to Denmark. Do you have Scandinavian roots in your family?
0: Yeah. I had a, I had a Swedish grandpa and Norwegian grandma. And then a Scottish grandpa and then a British grandma, nice. but yeah, like
1: Norwegian
0: and Swedish. and
1: That's a nice mix. Um, <laughs> before I let you go, actually, I just thought of this. So you have made career pivots of, as we've discussed, what advice could you give to somebody that's looking to make a career pivot? Sometimes career
0: pivots are out of desperation. A little bit. Yeah or you just need to get working somewhere. And some of mine have been just, I lucked out. Some were better than others. Um, yeah, I just, if you find something that you you think you have an interest in or you don't hate doing it, maybe it will grow into something you like. But nothing ever has to be permanent. Um, but definitely getting into a company or a position where you, you don't hate going to work every day is, is pretty good because, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've had a few jobs where I definitely didn't enjoy it and I'm thankful to go to a job or, you know, even if I'm tired, I, I get there and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is pretty good. Yeah. So, but yeah, pivoting is, I don't think it's an exact science because, so many factors can play into how we pivot into a different career but sometimes you just get to that point where it's just not working anymore (laughs) gotta gotta rethink something because it's you're just banging your head against a wall unless it's your passion and you just you have to do it like don't i don't i don't feel like you should kill yourself trying to fit in fit up what is it circle into a square or yeah or peg into i don't know i used to know what that saying goes but
1: <laughs> well i am so happy that your wife made it through the breast cancer situation and i wish you and your family well and thank you so much for coming on to share some stories about your life with our listeners i appreciate it joel
0: yeah.
1: thanks for having me Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend, Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.